Well, we're continuing to study some messages around the theme of walking worthy of the calling with which we are called. And we started out more general, more broad, speaking about who we are in Christ and about our desires and a method of change, guilt, contentment. Now, we're moving more and more specific. So tonight, the topic before us is the topic of anger and How do we walk worthy of the calling with which we have been called in regards to the subject of anger? But first of all, let's try and get an understanding of what anger is. And let's ask ourselves a few questions about anger. Namely, is anger sinful? What is anger and is anger sinful? First of all, if you look at the American Heritage Dictionary, anger is defined there as a strong feeling of displeasure or hostility. A strong feeling of displeasure or hostility. And as we consider the subject of anger, we would say in general, it would be categorized today as an emotion, wouldn't we? We would use that terminology. Somebody that has become angry, we would say they become emotional. It's, it's an emotion. But something we need to understand about anger is that anger is a response. It's a response. You can't take a scalpel and cut anger out of your body. It's not like cancer, but it's a response. And it's a response to the attitudes and the thinking of our hearts. So we're responding to something that's going on within our hearts. We'll talk about that a little bit, a little bit more, but we need to understand that. It's very important to understand that it's a response. It's not an entity in and of itself. Do any of you have anger in your pocket? And can any of you pull anger out and show it to me right here? No. Now, we can see the, we can see the signs of anger, can't we? If somebody becomes angry, but anger in and of itself is not an entity, an individual thing. It's a response. And it's a response to what's going on in our heart. And we've already talked about desires and motivations and things that are going on in our hearts. We're going to look at that a little bit more today as it ties in with anger. So here's the next question. Is anger sinful? Look at Ephesians 4.31, first of all. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 31. And we learned the principle of change. What do we call that principle? We call it the put off and put on principle, right? And we've seen that there are a lot of passages in the scriptures that tell us put off something and put on something else and it shows us contrasting things in other places where there's something that we're supposed to stop doing and then something that we're supposed to do in its place. This is one of those put off, put on passages. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And here's the put on. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Now, This passage says, let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, it says, let all anger be put away from you. So that 
quenches it, right? Anger is always sinful. Well, what do you think? Not necessarily so, right? Why would we say that anger in and of itself is not necessarily sinful? Answer me this. Who is the person, and by person I'm not just talking about a human being, but who is the person spoken of in Scripture most often as angry? Guess who? God. Pretty obvious the way I worded it, right? And from the Scriptures, you read through, you look it up, God is the person who is spoken of most often as being angry in the Scriptures. Now, is there any sin with God? No. So obviously, anger in and of itself is not sinful. Well, that's for God, but is it always sinful for human beings? Okay? No. Can anybody think of a passage that would indicate to us that it's not always sinful for us either. Okay, there we go. One of our memory verses, same chapter. Look at Ephesians 4.26. What does it say? Be ye angry and sin not. So it's very obvious that we can be angry but not sin in that anger. And then it says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Now, I mentioned that God is the person most often spoken of as being angry in the Bible, but he's also the most long-suffering person under the sun. Let's look at that for just a second. Look at Exodus 34. Kind of throw this in. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. This is the Lord declaring His goodness unto Moses. The Lord descended in the cloud, verse 5, stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, unto the third and to the fourth generation. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. There we see both the long suffering and mercy of God, but then also we see his righteousness and his justice, and that he does not clear those who are guilty. Praise God that if we are in Christ, he does not look upon us as guilty. <laughs> Praise God for His mercy and long-suffering toward us. How often we deserve to have been crushed by the Almighty in our rebellion and our sinfulness against Him. So anger in and of itself is not sinful and it can either be sinful for us and something we have to put off or it can be something that can be displayed righteously. Well, that leads to the question when is it righteous and when is it not, right? When do we know if our anger is a sinful anger? When do we know if it's a righteous anger? At a very general level, we can say that anger is sinful 
when it flows from or leads to either a commission or omission against the law of God. Remember, we talked about anger as a response. It's a response to thinking and attitudes going on in our heart. So if our anger is flowing out of sinful attitudes that are in our hearts, then that is a sinful anger response. Or, if our anger leads us to violate the law of God in our practice, then obviously that was not a well-placed anger. Or, if our anger leads us to not do something that God commands us to do. That would be omission. Commission would be a violation directly of the law of God in an active sense. Omission would be not doing something that God requires of us. But let's get even a little more specific. Well, first of all, let's illustrate this. Let's illustrate this. So we've got two people. We've got Phyllis and we have George. Let's say that Phyllis and George, they work together. And Phyllis mocks George for his faith. Let's say George, when he is mocked for being a believer, responds in anger. And in his heart, in this angry response, he's saying, How dare she mock me? I'm going to get even with her. His anger there is now a violation of the law of God, is it not? He is seeking a vengeance. What do the scriptures say? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So you see, he is violating the law of God in his heart. And his anger is flowing out of that sinful thinking of how dare she do this to me. So if there's an emotional response outwardly, it is coming as a result of what's going on inwardly in his thinking and then that response results from that. Now, is it possible that somebody could have a physical feeling or sensation of an emotion that is caused by an illness or a sickness? That is possible in certain instances such as anxiety attacks that could come about based on somebody having a heart condition, for instance, and there's a medication interaction, and there's not necessarily anything sinful going on in the heart, but they have the physical sensation of worry, for instance, in that case. But what we're speaking of here is a sinful attitude in the heart and then an angry response that flows out of that sinful attitude of the heart. And that's most generally what's going to be there, except in extreme circumstances. So, George has this wrong thinking in his heart, and thus he responds in an angry way. So rather than thinking, this is evidence of who I am in Christ, I am being persecuted for believing in Christ Jesus, he is responding in pride, how dare she say this about me, how dare she mock me, and it's a selfish Manifestation. It's not even a righteous anger in the sense of she is mocking the living God who is my God. And we'll talk a little more specifically about anger and when it can become sinful. 
But knowing the fact or considering the fact that anger is a response to cure sinful anger, someone has to know what is going on in the heart behind that anger. And oftentimes that's going to be something like fear. People who are fearful will often respond angrily and sometimes even violently toward people that they feel threatened by or toward objects that they feel threatened by. You see, so it's not enough just to try and address those outward symptoms of the anger through things like deep breathing or one, two, three, four, five, counting to ten or hitting a punching bag. You know, uh, that's, that's just a surface level fix. That's like putting a band-aid on the cancer. That's not going to the heart of the issue. And that's not ultimately going to fix anything. Why isn't it going to fix it? Because it's not going to address the sin that's going on. And it's not going to help keep you from becoming angry in a sinful way again. So we have to go to the heart of the matter and find out what's at the heart of the matter. And like with uh, Dick, or I should say uh, George, Phyllis and George, George had pride in his heart. How dare she do this against me? So you see, the anger was a response to his prideful attitude. So the way that he needs to address that is by addressing the pride. Not by doing deep breathing techniques. You know, not the Incredible Hulk thing. That doesn't fix it. That doesn't go to the heart of it. The Incredible Hulk needed to see a biblical counselor. First he needed to be saved. Then he needed to see a biblical counselor and he wouldn't turn green and explode so often. Okay? So anger is a response. And it's that put off put on principle then that needs to be practiced. Back there in Ephesians chapter 4 again. And I made mention of this uh, already, but we see that put off, put on. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, Evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. And the reason, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So going to the heart of the issue and addressing a practical way for us to help eliminate these sinful forms of anger is to meditate on, reflect upon the work of Christ Jesus in our lives. And if we're deeply impacted by the work of Christ on our behalf, then we're not going to constantly be flying off the handle and lashing out at people around us. Because we're going to realize, remember we talked about contentment, we're going to realize, hey, I don't deserve anything good from anyone. I especially don't deserve any favor from God. But God put His Son through hell so that I could gain heaven. And that will help us to respond in a Christ-like way. In a Christ-like way. And we're going to talk about Christ and His examples 
of anger and how that helps us understand when anger is sinful and when it's not. Okay? Well, there's a commission of, against the law of God talking about Phyllis and George again. George sinned in his heart and he had a sinful anger response to that sin and those sinful thoughts and attitudes in his heart. Well, let's talk about what it would look like on the flip side if he failed to do what God required of him because of sinful attitudes that led to an anger response. What does God say? God says we're supposed to do good to those who hate us, doesn't he? Well, let's say George says he's not angry at Phyllis and he doesn't have an immediate anger response. But let's say the next day he sees her over in her yard and their neighbors as well as co-workers and she's got her arms full of packages and trying to get in her house and she can't get in her house and it's pouring down rain and she's getting drenched to the skin and he has a flash of anger. He remembers how she mocked him and so he says, well, I'm just going to leave her. It's a, you know, God's given her what she deserves and he leaves her there out in the rain and doesn't go and help her. He has now not only violated the law of God by commission, but he's also now failed to do something that God requires, that is to do good to those who hate you. Jesus and the commandments in the Word of God are radical, aren't they? I mean, it's, it's not just that you're not supposed to beat the living daylights out of somebody that does something wrong to you, but you're supposed to go out of your way to bless them and to do good for them and to pray for them according to the word of God. So there, he has failed to keep the commandments of God in doing good to her. And so that is very obviously a sinful form of anger that he's expressing there, right? So what do we have there? Commission or omission? Anger is sinful if it flows from or if it leads to a violation of the law of God either by committing a direct sin against the law of God or failing to do something that God would require us. Okay, but here's some specific things then. And we're going to use a picture. Picture anger as a hand grenade. Like a hand grenade. If you're going to use a hand grenade, you better know what you're doing. Right? Anyone here ever used a hand grenade? Hey, Terry. Okay, we have we have one lady here who has used a hand grenade. You had better use that hand grenade correctly. If you're going to use a hand grenade, you better make sure that you got them right. What do I mean by that? And we're going to use hand grenade as an illustration of anger. It's explosive, right? You better make sure you got them right. You better make sure your goal is right. You better have the right goal in mind for that hand grenade. And you better have the right goal in mind for anger. You better make sure that you're heaving it at the right object. Right? So with anger, you better make sure you have the right object. You better make sure that your timing is right. Because what happens when you pull the pen on a hand grenade? You better get rid of it. You just got a few seconds. What happens if you pull the pin on anger? 
You're not supposed to let the sun go down on your wrath, you see. There's a time frame involved biblically. We're going to look at each one of these. You better make sure you got them right. The M would be your motives. You better have the right motives, the right motivation for using that hand grenade. You better have the right motivation for using anger. So let's talk about that. First of all, you better make sure you got them right. And if you got them wrong, you can know that it's sinful anger. So what about your goal? What if you have a wrong goal? So what if you have a strong feeling of displeasure or hostility that's driving you toward accomplishing a sinful goal? Then you can know that your anger is a sinful form of anger. Look at Romans chapter 12. What would be an example of a sinful goal? What about vengeance? That would be a goal. That would be something that you want to accomplish as the end game, so to speak. And vengeance, then, would be a sinful goal. So you can know if you are angry and your anger has as its goal vengeance, that that's a sinful anger response. Romans chapter 12. Beginning with verse 17. Recompense, that means repay to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as life, then you live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. See, God alone is the one who is allowed to execute vengeance. There is a place in the authorities that God has structured the civil authority, the church authority, family authority, for justice. But vengeance is reserved unto the Lord. Vengeance, someone who is wronged and seeking to destroy someone or bring someone down as a result of that. God alone will will execute vengeance upon all those who are His enemies and the enemies of his people, all those who have not bowed in that day when Christ returns in flaming fire, taking vengeance upon his enemies and the enemies of his people. What says here, we're to put off the evil deeds, we're to put on the good, and vengeance belongs to the Lord. So there's a key principle that we find in the scriptures, and it's helpful for us in knowing how to be able to release someone and not seek vengeance against them. That key principle is that all sin will ultimately be accounted for. All sin will be ultimately accounted for. Either the person who has wronged us will have their sins laid upon Jesus Christ and they were laid upon Him at the cross and then applied to them that righteousness applied to them in, in time and space. So otherwise, or in other words, 
Either Jesus will bear the punishment for their sins or they will bear the punishment for their sins. All sin will be accounted for in the end. So we do not have to bear that burden of trying to make people account for their sins in a vengeful way. That means we can be free to release people unto God. People who try and bear that weight of vengeance and making people pay for their sins are bearing a weight which they cannot stand up under. Only God ultimately can bear that and bear that responsibility of administering that depth of judgment and justice. For all others, it it will crush them under that weight. So we don't have to bear that burden. Either the person will pay for their sins in the judgment of God and the fire of hell, or Christ will have paid for their sins. So, in our example, with Phyllis and George, George took vengeance into his own hands by leaving her standing there in the rain, and he did that to punish her for speaking out against him. And thus he took that upon himself when that was not his to bear. And thus he had a sinful anger. So the goal, and a a wrong goal again, we've used vengeance as an example. That would be a wrong goal. Well, in making sure that we got them right, the next thing on the list would be the object of our anger. If it's an inappropriate object that we are throwing that hand grenade of anger at, then it's a sinful anger. Help me out. What do you think might be an inappropriate object, a, a person or a thing that we would throw anger out at, but it's an inappropriate object? It's someone that doesn't deserve for us to be angry at, for instance. What might that look like? Anybody think of any examples? Okay, your your family, um, and maybe we could get maybe we could get specific because would it be possible that there might be a a need for righteous indignation if a family member has grossly violated the word of God and our hearts would groan within us and we could be righteously ang- angry in that way? Yes, I, I think that I think that that would be possible. Um, but there might be an instance where it would be a wrong object. Uh, okay, there, there's a pretty good example. What, what about a, a very, very small child? Let's say a baby, a tiny baby, who is colicky, you know, or has a, a flu bug or a cold, and so that little baby is crying all the time. And a, a brother or a sister or a parent responds in anger towards that little child. They explode toward that little child. Is that an appropriate object of their anger? The, the child's not necessarily sinning. It's unwell, and the only way that it knows to express how it's unwell is to cry, and it's a good thing that babies cry when they're not feeling well because otherwise the parent might have a hard time knowing that this child is sick 
in certain instances. So yes, that would be an inappropriate object. That's the wrong thing to heave the hand grenade of anger at. Therefore, that's a, a sinful anger. Here's a, a criteria. It's always sinful for us to heave the hand grenade of anger at an object that is not an object of God's anger. Do we think that we can be more righteously angry than God? (laughs) If it's not something that God would be angry at, do we have the right to say that we can be angry at it? No, so when we look through the scriptures, we see God angry at at, uh, certain forms of injustice and angry when His law and His word is violated. For us to be angry at something that God is not angry at or would never be angry about would be inappropriate. And thus that would be a sinful anger. God sets the standard then in that case. As we consider things like anger and other emotions like fear, we need to realize that those emotions have an object. If we have a fear of flying, that fear then has an object, doesn't it? And we might start to head toward that airplane or even see an airplane flying through the sky or even think about getting in an airplane and we have a fear response. There's an object connected to that fear. What if it's a claustrophobia, fear of tight places? There's an object that's connected to that, isn't isn't there? Well, we need to make sure that that object is something that would be appropriate. Now, it's not necessarily wrong, and we're going to talk about fear tomorrow, not necessarily wrong to fear being in a tight place. That in and of itself isn't, but if it leads us to sin against God because we fear being in a tight spot then we have crossed over into the realm of sinfulness. So we'll talk more about that tomorrow. So we have to make sure that we have got them right. If we're going to heave the hand grenade of anger, we've got to have the right goal. We've got to have the right object. But you know what? There also has to be the right time frame because that thing's going to blow. And if we don't get rid of it quickly then it's going to get us. So if we have that strong feeling of displeasure or hostility for longer than God permits of us, you know, anger is to be short-lived. It's too hot to handle. Consider Ephesians chapter 4 there again in verses 26 and 27. And this is even speaking about righteous anger. Even righteous anger should be short-lived for us. It should be short. We shouldn't be angry for long. We shouldn't be characterized as constantly angry people. Because we're not to let our anger linger for long. It's too hot for us to handle. 
What does it say there in Ephesians 4, verse 26? Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. We can give place to the devil to come in and to work his will in us rather than the will of God when we hang on to anger for too long. But there's that general picture there. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Which in general that's saying keep it short. Keep your anger short. Don't let it extend and drag out for days. Even righteous anger must be short-lived. And God is very gracious to do this for us. Because He knows that we're too frail and that we're too stupid to be angry for too long. It's just a fact. We're not strong enough and we're not knowledgeable enough to endure anger for long. But God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful and He is omniscient. So God can be angry with the wicked every single day. He can be characterized by anger and His anger can continue as a manifestation even of His love. You realize God's wrath and His anger flows out of His love. It's because He loves justice that He despises injustice. It's because He loves His children that He despises those who attack and tear down His children. Because He loves His Son, He is angry with those who dishonor His Son. So kiss the Son lest He be angry. The Scriptures teach. God can handle that. We could be consumed with anger if we do not make sure that the time frame is short. When we hold a pin on even righteous anger then, we need to get rid of that hand grenade before it takes us out and we give room to the devil. Okay? So we got to make sure that we got them right. What about the end there? What about our motivation? We have to make sure that our motivation is right for using it. It's not a sinful motivation. We've talked about desires of the heart and sinful desires and motivations. What do you think is going to be the most common sinful motivation that leads to an unrighteous anger in our lives? Pride. The motivation of pride. Somebody has done something against me. They have violated me. Or they have violated mine. That's going to be the most common sinful motivation. It's going to be that selfishness, that pride. So, a righteous anger could be manifested if we are looking around us and we see that God isn't getting what He wants in the sense of His revealed will and His Word. Not His sovereign will. God always gets what He wants. Ultimately, in His sovereignty. But there are things that He has written for, written in His Word that are commandments and those things can be violated, right? So it is not wrong for us to be angry if we see that people are flying 
in the face of the righteous commandments of God and thus bringing disrepute on the name of Christ, for instance, if it's a Christian who is blaspheming the work of Christ by his or her actions. But sinful anger would be more along the lines of when I don't get what I want. I'm not getting what I want. Therefore, I explode in anger. Righteous anger is motivated by a sincere love for God and for His holiness and for His justice. Sinful anger is motivated by a love of some idolatrous desire. That would be one manifestation of a sinful anger. We have an idol. Somebody reached out there and they knocked down our idol or they smeared dirt on our idol and they're going to pay for it. Righteous anger says Christ is the Lord of my life. Sinful anger can flow from the idea I am Lord of my life. How dare someone do something like that against me? Violate my lordship and authority. Righteous anger has that time frame and doesn't let the sun go down on the wrath. Sinful anger flows out of those ideas in James 4. Where do the wars and the strivings come from amongst you? It comes from your lusts. Those desires in the heart that are not righteous desire. Let's consider Jesus for just a moment. Was Jesus ever angry? I mean, have you you ever just sat down and, and thought about that temple scene where Jesus braids those cords together into a whip and he goes in there and all heaven breaks loose in that time. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's powerful, isn't it? Wow, and the, the money changers' tables are being overthrown and coins and money flying everywhere and overthrowing the tables of those selling the doves. And he says... My father's house is a house of prayer. He made it a den of thieves. I mean, wow. The righteous indignation of the very Son of God. What was motivating Jesus' anger there? There was a violation of the holiness of God and the sanctity of that place of worship by sinful men. So Jesus was motivated by a desire to see the holiness of God exalted. Now, I'm not saying we need to start going into Jehovah Witness churches or Mormon tabernacles or whatever and start throwing around the furniture. Okay, So we've, we've got to be careful about how we express our anger. Or going into churches that profess Christ but engage in pagan practices and false doctrines. But, can we be righteously indignant when we hear like the report came to me that a man visited a United Methodist church and there was someone in that Sunday school class teaching that Jesus is not the the very deity, that He is not God. Can we be righteously indignant that in a place that calls itself a church of God, 
such blasphemies are being promoted? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And we ought to be indignant that Christ is being blasphemed by those who profess His name. But we do need to be careful about how we express our anger. Jesus could only ever be most wise in all of His actions and do this always righteously. Well, you know, it's interesting as we consider Jesus. Think about this. The times that Jesus displayed anger that I have looked at in the Scriptures were not the times when it was that others had violated His rights so much and had sinned against Him personally, but it's when others were being violated or principles of justice and mercy were being violated. I mean, yes, there is, there is that connection that Jesus is the God-man. And so in one sense, anytime a sin was committed, Jesus was being sinned against. But there's that mystery of the incarnation that comes in there. But as we're looking at Jesus as an example, as a man, in his humanity, Jesus was most wrathful, most angry in instances like in the temple when his father's house was being violated or against those men those leaders of the day who were refusing mercy through healing to someone that Christ could provide and he turned his anger upon them Remember that instance. The Pharisees wanted to deny mercy to the man with a withered hand. And Jesus turned upon them with a withering look. And he condemned them for their injustice. But then, in that ultimate sacrifice of Christ, when he was denied mercy and justice, not mercy in the sense of he had sinned, and needed mercy, but when he was denied justice, he spread wide his hands and allowed them to nail him to a cross. And he said from the cross, Father, forgive. Father, forgive. We see an ultimate example of our Lord Jesus Christ in that. He is our example. And so if we're united with him, His victory there again is our victory. The victories of Christ are our victories because His righteousness is accounted as ours by God the Father. And so His victory in overcoming any sinful temptation toward sinful anger is our victory. And we do have strength if we are in Christ to battle against the temptation to those types of sins. I want us to consider for just a moment as we're considering making sure that we we got them right, that our goal is right, our object is right, time frame is right, our motivation is right. We talked about idolatry. And one of the ways that we know that Anger is a sinful form of anger is if it will flow from us 
having an idolatrous desire and then responding sinfully based on that idolatry. So let's run down through a list of things that could become idols in our lives and that we would need to identify what's going on in our hearts if we're having an angry response. This was uh, put together by Lou Priolo. It is adopted from his book, The Complete Husband. And it's an anger hot-button list, he calls it. So we're going to go down through this list, and this is application. Consider this for yourself. Do you respond in an unrighteous anger to one of these things or more of these things on this list? And these things will flow from a desire. You want It, it will be worded such as, I want someone to da-da-da-da-da, and as a result of that, I am becoming angry because I want them to do this for me. Okay? How about this? I want people to be more respectful to me. I want people to be more respectful to me. And they're not being respectful to me, and that just infuriates me when they won't respect me. You see the wrong approach there? If someone is disrespectful to you, there should be a love and a concern for them. If they are behaving unjustly by being disrespectful toward you, we should have as an ultimate desire of our heart their soul and their well-being and their testimony to the Lord if they are a believer in Christ Jesus. That should be our ultimate desire and also I mean, not our ultimate desire. That should be our good desire. Our ultimate desire is to see God glorified in this situation. Uh, yeah, don't want to miss that. That's always the ultimate desire. The glory of God in all things. What about this one? I want them to support my decisions more. And it just infuriates me when they don't support my decisions. That would be one, you know, somebody in a position of authority or maybe a... Maybe a husband in a family. She doesn't support my decisions. Or the people in my workplace, or the people on my team, I'm the team captain, or whatever it may be. I want them to support my decisions more. What about this? I want him or her not to be so bossy with me all the time. And I just get so mad when somebody is bossy with me. What about this? Well, I just I wish they would be more discreet or not be a people pleaser. And I just get so angry when they show indiscretion. Now, there might be an appropriate time to be angry if it's a, an indiscretion that is a violation of the law of God. But what is our ultimate desire? And that's what we're looking to here. Is our desire the glory of God and is it love for that other person? Or is it the fact that they're not being discreet and that's going to reflect upon me because I'm somehow connected with them, you see? What about this? It just infuriates me when people don't control their temper. <laughs> it just makes me so mad 
when people don't control their temper. Or, I wish people would be more attentive to me. And I get angry if people don't pay attention to me. I wish people would be more patient with me. And I just, I just can't take it. And I get so angry when people are impatient with me. And that's another one of those that's pretty ironic, isn't it? But have you ever been there? I've been there. I want people to be more gracious. I just get so furious when they're not gracious toward me. I want people to ask for my opinion more. You know, they never ask me for my opinion. They'll go and ask somebody else, but they won't ask me. See, might that be pointing to an idol of the heart? And the anger being flowing from an idol of the heart? Desiring the favor of men? And having them come and ask an opinion? I want them to be more punctual. I want them to not have to have the last word. I want to have the last word sometime. You know, I like to speak about you, 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 you usually, but sometimes I want to speak about me. (laughs) There's kind of an irony. That's kind of a joke in that song. But... uh, I want to, people to verbally express more love for me. And I get so angry. It makes me so furious when they don't verbally <clears throat> express more love for me. How about this? I want people not to di- disagree with me in the presence of others. <laughs> Have you ever been there? <laughs> Where you find yourself getting pretty hot under the collar? I want people to not challenge my decisions. Don't challenge my decisions. Or I'm going to get angry. Start in the middle. <laughs> and this, this goes on. Uh, get the book Complete Husband. Read the list. <laughs> but you see how there's so many, so many things there that some of these even in and of themselves, should people be respectful to us? Yes, they should. But can we respond in a sinful anger if they disrespect us because it flows from a pride of the heart? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. So, we need to make sure as we're considering anger that before we pull the pin on that hand grenade and before we chuck it, we need to make sure that we got them right. That our goal is right for using it, that the object is right, that the time frame is right, and it's a short time frame, and that our motives of the heart are right for using that. And ultimately, we consider our Lord Jesus Christ as our perfect example. And if someone has a habit of anger, that's one of those things that you can, get, you can get locked into and it's such a habit, you just do it. You don't have to think about it. It just happens. Somebody, if any of you here have a habit of anger and responding angrily when people push your buttons, then what you're going to have to do is some serious heart work. And you're going to have to 
you're going to have to really get thinking carefully about your episodes of anger and you're going to have to start considering what was my goal in this anger? What did I want to see happen? And was it a righteous goal or was it unrighteous? What was the object of my anger? Was I of my anger? Was I angry at something that was appropriate to be angry at? Something that God would be angry at? And then I was—I also had the right goal and the right time frame and the right motive for doing it. You're going to really have to dig into the heart, and you're going to have to start asking yourselves those questions, and then putting off and putting on. Putting off and putting on. When you find those idols, when you find that sinful motivation, when you find that sinful goal, then you need to go to the Word of God and find out what the Word of God says. If it's vengeance, and you're an angry person because somebody had wronged you, and you constantly find yourself remembering that sin that they have performed against you, and desiring to get even with them, then you need to go to passages like Romans chapter 12. And say that I can't, I can't do that. I have to put off that vengeance because only God has the right to vengeance, and I need to be repaying evil with good. And remembering the words of Jesus, I need to bless those who curse me, and those other things that He mentioned there. So it's going to take a lot of heart work and really digging deep. But by God's grace. If you're united in Christ, you can overcome sinful anger. And you can develop righteous habits so that you respond righteously instead of responding sinfully automatically to that. Okay, does anyone have any questions on this? reason is inappropriate, um, then it would be a sinful anger. Uh, we, should only, we should only be angry if it's something that God permits us to be angry at. So the word inappropriate, um, if I'm understanding the way that you would be using it, um, would be a way that God doesn't permit us to do it or something that is against his word. And uh, so... It would be it would be wrong to uh, to sin or to be angry for an inappropriate uh, reason in that in that respect. Does that help? Okay. Any other questions? Yeah. That is a very very good question. I would take I would I would take the position that it is inappropriate for us to be angry at God in the sense of we believe that God has done unjustly and we're attributing unrighteousness unto God or even believing that God has violated us in our rights because that would be a manifestation of us saying we think God has done unrighteously. 
You see, He is the rock. His work is perfect. All His ways are judgment. He's a God of truth and without iniquity. So, we have examples in the Psalms, don't we, where people are crying out unto the God and they're saying, God, how long is this going to happen? And where are you? And what's happening? And what's going on? But, you know, what we so often see there is these people ultimately acknowledging the goodness of God in the situation. They have many questions about what's happening and where is God in all this, and, and they're very honest about where we are oftentimes as we're considering the sovereignty of God and the circumstances of life. But to attribute evil unto God and to be angry because we believe God has done something sinful, um, that would be a sinful form of anger. Is that helpful? I would be uh, interested as well for any input from our other pastors on that one. I know that can be a, an interesting uh, subject that comes up. Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 
you know, like with the example of Job, his wife encouraged him, curse God and die. You know, be angry against God, express that, and a, a curse against God for bringing this trial upon you and die. And he rebuked her for that. And he understood that God was the one that gives and God is the one that takes away as well. And he behaved righteously in that, in that way. But, but yes, but there is that, there's that tension. We see that in, in so many places in Scripture. So, yeah, so if you feel burdened, you know, and you're, and you're wondering, God, why haven't you acted on this? You know, I, I know that you are just and you are righteous. I do not deny that. But how in the world is that going to, take place in this situation and why haven't you done it yet in this situation it just seems to me that this is a situation where you need to do this based upon your character and your nature and there are times that we're going to find ourselves in that position but again we should recognize that he is the all wise God and his ways are perfect ultimately Yes. Um, have you said if you have thought something that you thought you had righteous anger towards something, but then you find out that it was really a misunderstanding, that you misunderstood whatever you thought you had was actually, if it would have been true, it would have been righteous anger, but it, and you had that anger, but then you found out that it wasn't true? Mmm. That's that's a good question. Let me let me make sure I'm understanding it. So, if it's a situation where you are angry, and it would have been a righteous anger, but then you find out, for instance, that the thing that you were angry about or the person that you were angry at, that it it didn't actually occur, didn't actually happen in that instance. So, so you were angry immediately, but you find out later, well, it didn't really happen. Um, I, I would be hesitant to say that that was a sinful anger in that instance. It, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't ultimately based on you know, correct knowledge of the facts. Now, it would depend, though. If you, were, if you wrongly accused someone, okay, I'm, kinda, I'm really thinking on my feet here, so I better be careful with this. And as a matter of fact... I'm going to defer that because because I have not thought through that in advance and I do not want to give a wrong answer. So if any of you gentlemen have thought through that and would have help on that. Responded in righteous anger and then backtracked 
when you have a situation that's different, you apologize to what you've done. That comes close to the situation. You know, those, mm-hmm. those are those are borderline calls there where you've really got to go to God and say, Lord, did I sin? You know, I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to sin. And if I did sin, please, please show that to me. Please forgive me. Because you don't want to sin against God. And sometimes when you have a question in your mind, when you do it, you just have to take it to Him. Mm, right, right, and like you know, like that example there, you know, in in that anger, you know, it was it was an ultimate inappropriate object for him to be angry at in the in that sense because God had commanded not to curse you know the people. He was mistaken about that object, so there was you know a criteria that was in place there that. Uh, he had done wrongly in that instance. But, uh, that's good. I want to remember that and think through that some more. That's a very, very good question. Yes? Ah, ah. The temptation oftentimes crosses over into that realm of anger when we go from that fleeting thought or that quick flash that begins to start to entertaining that and to carrying it out fully and to really acting out on it you know so and we would also then want to examine you know where is that coming from in the heart because if we feel like we're tempted but then we really look in our heart and we find out you know what I've got an idol there in my heart that's something that I have an attitude that is a sinful attitude and this this thing that this little flash of feeling of anger that came up and then I'm stopping and analyzing that, you know what, I've just gone in and I just dug under the surface and I found, you know, some black stuff down there. You know, I, I do have an idol. But you know, we we all have those times where something, you know, just instantly pops in our mind. It's not something that we've been dwelling on, it's not something that that um, we're entertaining, but it just boom, it flashes in our mind. You know, I remember a pastor giving an example of this. That he said he was he was driving a little old lady somewhere, and she was talking, and he had this instant little flash in his mind. Reach over her there, grab her around the neck, and strangle her. <laughs> and he realized he was being tempted. And he did not for a minute entertain actually carrying out that action. And, and he examined his heart and, it, and according to him it wasn't flowing from something sinful in his heart. It was just one of those random straight things that just popped in but he immediately evicted that. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and uh, so, so we, we can have instances like that where I don't, I don't believe we crossed over into that realm of sin by entertaining that thought and then carrying out any further sinful anger or action. But we've got to dig down into the heart and we've got to look for sinful attitudes that might lead to those things. And if we can make that connection, then we need to take care of that sinful attitude. An attitude being a kind of a developed pattern of thinking as compared to a thought which might just be a random thought. An attitude being something that's, that's more developed and uh, more entrenched, you might even say, in the heart.
Yes. think that these things that I've been speaking about tonight could apply to the idea of annoyance as well. The annoyance might be, we might consider that as a little bit of a lesser form of, uh, it's not quite a feeling of displeasure or hostility, but the idea of displeasure would definitely be in it, wouldn't it? Uh, Anger we usually think of as being a, a notch up in intensity from annoyance in the way that we use those two words. And in, in the Bible, we like in Ephesians here, we have different words. We have wrath, we have anger, and uh, those in the Greek even have different, uh, different specific meanings. And wrath there would be kind of a, an explosion. The anger there would be something that is kind of a, an attitude that builds and grows and branches out in many different uh, ways. Uh, so th- there are even some nuances in this list, uh, the words that are used there. But I do believe these principles would apply to the idea of annoyance as well. We would need to look at our goal. You know, why, uh, I'm feeling annoyed. What do I hope to accomplish by being annoyed in this situation? And is it a righteous thing that I... I and trying to accomplish and that, or that I could accomplish or is it something that's forbidden to me? Uh, what about the object? Am I annoyed at something I shouldn't be annoyed at? You know, am I being annoyed for too long? Is my motivation for being annoyed a sinful motivation? Is it selfishly based? Am I annoyed because, you know, I want to have the last word and my brother always thinks he has to have the last word, you know, and so I'm, I'm annoyed at him for doing that. Well, the annoyance, I mean, that's not going to be a helpful thing, is it? If there's a need to talk to the brother and express that, you know, uh, let's talk about this and maybe we can work something out. And uh, then if, you know, I probably shouldn't be giving this example because that's your brother sitting right next to you. (laughs) I'm speaking generally here, okay? If we could turn around, we could turn around and say your sister. Okay, so uh, anyway, uh, the goal is love, and then realizing too that love covers a multitude of sins. So there are many times when you know that love will will, will go in and cover that. But having that, yeah, brother Larry. Sometimes you have to move to the other side of the Yes, yes. Right. Yeah, very true. Very true. Yeah, have you, are you doing the putting off and the putting on and making sure that you're not going against that positive commandment there? Very true.
Okay. Well, we'll have a word of prayer together. It's the last uh, full day of camp here. I'll have we'll have one more general session tomorrow. We'll look at the subject of fear, and uh, we won't have time for a question and answer after that. But uh, I have been recording the messages and. The plan is to have those on sermon audio, so if uh, anyone uh, had any desire or need to access them, uh, they should be up there, and you could search either uh, under my name, Ryan Butler, or under the name of my church, Summit Sovereign Grace Baptist Church, and hopefully I'll have those up there within the next week or two. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you will give us grace to... control ourselves, to be disciplined, to be self-controlled, and, Father, to be kind, to be tender-hearted, to be forgiving toward one another, to do the putting off and the putting on in regards to the subject of anger. I pray that if there's anyone here who struggles with a habitual anger that you will give them grace and strength if they are yours by the power of Christ to overcome this. If they're not yours, I pray that you'll convert them and that you'll begin to work in them. I pray for all of us, Father, that you'll give us wisdom to know how to live righteously and to walk worthy of the calling with which we are called. And I thank you, Father, for the grace and mercy that is available in Christ Jesus. And that he always walked worthy. And that he was tempted to sin. But that he always responded righteously. And that his victory is counted as ours if we are in him. I pray that you'll... uh, Bless each person here in grace. And I thank you for this week. And I ask that it will bear fruit in the lives of all who are here. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.